Quavo, lifestyle on camera, hundred thousand dollar chandelier. They tried to turn me to an animal. Hey guys, this is Greg. This is Zach. This is episode four from the Bleachers. Today we're gonna to be talking about the Habs vs Knights. For recap from game one to game four, and we're currently watching uh, game number five with a minute forty left in the first period. Euro 2020. We're gonna talk a little about uh, the story of the Denmark team. We'll talk about. Portugal versus Germany, how that game fell through and how that affects the rest of the group of death going into the final game week. And we'll talk about Spain and their group and how that's tightening up. And lastly, we'll talk about Brooklyn and Milwaukee, how that played out game number seven. Let's go, guys. So game one to four, what do you see? Uh, what's your remarks about it? Um, I'll say this, Bef coming into game number four, which was the game where Marc-Andre Fleury was replaced by Robin Lehner after his uh, complete mental debacle at the end of game three, goes behind the net, miscues with the puck, leads to a Habs goal, and then the game goes into overtime, and we know, we know what happened in overtime, the Habs obviously won that game. And so they went with uh, Leonard. They went with... Uh, they, they changed it up pretty much. They said, they said, you know what, let's give the guy a rest. Uh, maybe he's not have confidence in that, in that pressure at the Bell Center in front of the fans. And game four, they went with their gut feeling. They put Leonard in the nets. And uh, it turned out good for them because we know the result was a 2-1 victory win in overtime. Yeah, exactly. Fleury hasn't had the best track record uh, against the Habs in the playoffs. He was shaky for the first three games of the series, but I think for the first two, he had his, uh, the great defensive core that they have over there in Vegas, covering up for uh, his, his mental lapses, his miscues, if you will. But game three, he really, he, his team, at least the team felt that he, he cost them the win. Yeah. And so they go with Leonard in game four, and they win a road game in Montreal 2-1. They win the game in overtime. And, they, and so with that result being they tied the series and now it's like a best out of three going forward. So is this, is this, um, would you have predicted that it would have been a best out of three going into the final, well, the final games of the series pre-series? Do you think, and do you think the Habs would have been happy with this? I would, I would have said, it would get, like I, like I predicted like Among Us because we haven't been record, we did record, but the audio didn't come out. So sorry about that guys. But I think I believe I told you, like, I predicted game six, Montreal. I, I thought Montreal was taking six games. Well, was it going to be 2 nothing and then 2-2, two, two, or was it going to be 3-1, or whatever the case is? I don't, I don't know. But it's one, tight, one hell of a tight series. That's one thing I got to say. And second, uh, Montreal didn't deserve game three. Vegas deserved it. Mm -hmm. Montreal deserved game four. They, they stole. They, they quite literally stole that game. And so did Vegas with game four. Yeah. Price made forty three saves that game, and uh, and we had like eight and, shots and, after two periods. Exa exactly, and then the Habs ended the game with in the shots in the twenty range. So Vegas had a basically double them in shots that game, and also double them in in great scoring chances. Obviously, Price was fantastic. Everybody knows about that that save on uh, Mark Stone on the two on one. <laughs> Or, not, or, or would you call it a, a two-on-over? Two Pacioretty coming down the yeah. left, feeds it across to Mark Stone, who's got 
a whole lot of a net to look at, but there's price sprawling to the other side. It makes uh, a great save, but it's not a save that we haven't seen price make in the, the series. No, of course. Uh, you, you, if you recall... Any entire playoffs. Yeah, exactly. You recall going back to series number one versus Jason Spezza, empty net in the Bell Center. Empty net, and you just randomly pull a stick save out of nowhere. This guy's, this guy's worth every penny. He's playing on another, uh, on another planet. It seems like he's in his own elements right now he's he's calm cool he's collected and the team plays with a lot of confidence knowing that you, you score three goals you have a good chance of winning with price uh, backing you up so moving forward now we see one nothing uh, for the halves of the 40 seconds left of the first exactly currently watching game number five over here so what do you think uh oh wait oh shit it almost worked um oh my god again yeah, uh, sorry guys. Yeah, the late stages of the the first period, Weber slap pass on net, tipped in front by Toffoli, uh, was a great chance, but it just it just trickled wide. So um, with this going to intermission with uh, a one nothing lead, same Montreal continue playing this tight, good hockey. Do do they wrap it up in six or what's the story? I think this one goes into seven. Going back I, to Vegas. I, yeah, I think uh, Vegas are too good of a team to not win at least one out of uh, out of this best of three, and especially being the, the dominant team for the most part of the series. Like we talked about game three, the Habs uh, stole the game. But um, another side note to this is Marc-Andre Fleury is back for game five after Leonard coming in for game four and getting the win for his team and playing uh, relatively well. Well, you don't know when if there's an injury with Leonard because you just thought at one point like him going to the bench during a commercial break and like he was in pain. Second, the guy just went in just to get like, just to get that W. They, they threw him in there because yeah, either we go down 3-1 yeah, or we go 2-2 two, two and because we, they don't know how to play against Leonard. Mm -hmm. But if he's not bearing an injury, you continue, you ride the hot hand. He got you the win. Don't you carry on with him? Which which I agree because if you if we look out like right now, I grab Montreal's uh, Mark Andre Fleury's numbers versus uh, the Canadiens last couple of games. Give me one second. If you look at these numbers, uh, one second. Game one. Game one versus Montreal, nine six six save percentage, one goal allowed. Great. Game two, eight point. 87% save percentage yeah, and three goals allowed. Mm -hmm. That was a game the Habs won. Game three, 89 save percentage, two and a half goals allowed. And obviously, that was the game with the, the big debacle of the end, which caused Coach Pete DeBoer to take him out of uh, the lineup for, for game four. But now he's, uh, but yeah, but he's back. Again, but yet again, you're under 900 versus Montreal right now. Mm -hmm. But that, I think... That, that, I think uh, Obviously, the the save percentage is something, but it's it's the fashion in, in which these uh, these Habs goals are coming from. Is he are, 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 is he to be put uh, to blame for for some for most of these goals? And I th and I think for those games, yes, he was. Like what I'm trying to get at is he could have an uh, eight seventy save percentage, like you said, but. Uh, he got like 16 shots all game, and there was one really good scoring chance that the other team had. Perfect play, and and it, and it gets by him, and that leads to him having a bad save percentage. But it doesn't 
paint uh, the full picture, if you will. Yeah, you got a point there, but yet again, a goal's a goal, no matter how big one, whether it's uh, between the legs or a five hole or a deflection, you, you got to say everything. Because how many times did Mark, like, before these series, before the playoffs, yeah. but I don't, Carey, I, Price, I, I, Carey Price is overrated. How many times did you hear that in the streets of Montreal? How many times did you hear that on the radio on TSN 690? Price is overrated, overpaid, he should get traded and everything. And you're saying he was called up because of his safe percentages and his well, goals safe against, percentage his, or his, his regular or season stats. His regular season stats which do not make, which did, you guys didn't make the playoffs. But yet again, in order to make the playoffs, you got to have a whole team around you. You can't just blame one player. Mm-hmm. But I think safe percentage is, is misleading in many cases. I think if you're a, a, an average... Which, which I agree. You could, be, you could be an average to below average goaltender on, on, a, on, 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 a, on a very good team. And your safe percentage is going to be up there because you have a great team in front of you. Jack Campbell. in a good position to win. Jack Campbell this season. Yeah. Wasn't he like Vezina not like... Vezina numbers this year? Yeah, well, playing half a season, but his his save percentage was up there in the top five of the entire league. That's it, but again, playoff time comes, yeah. he couldn't say, he couldn't stop Montreal. That's why, well, that's, well, that's, that's the thing, people are going to criticize Price the past couple of years, his save percentage hasn't been among the top, then mind there's the league. Um, but yet again, but when it comes it's, to playoff it's, time. It's, it's, but it's a, a testament to the, the team in front of him that the Habs have been a bang average team for the past couple of five years now. Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And now... The youth is coming yeah, in. Yeah, and now in these playoffs, he's he's elevated his level of play. So this is not regular season carry price. This is this is price at the next level. Well, you, you've seen it. 2011, when they won seven games in the first turn. They won seven games uh, versus Boston. And like they went to, like I think, overtime or double overtime. Nathan Horton scored. He was unstoppable that series. But yet again, yeah, Boston... Got that lucky goal. Then after you have 2014, um, he went all the way to the conference finals. To, uh, 2015, I think we got eliminated Ottawa right away off the bat. 20, but like mm. he, he's been. 20, a, 20, 2015, they 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 beat Ottawa and they lost to Tampa in round two. They lost to Tampa it? in five games. Was it? It I was remember, the year of the the Hamburglar in 2015. Oh yeah, yeah. But I remember one time Ottawa beating them so. And as we look on the, sorry to cut you off, as we look on the screen right now, they're showing the replay of the first Habs goal. So the Habs actually took the lead in, in this one, game five. We're at the first intermission. It's one nothing for for the Canadians. Goal by Yesperico Kanyemi, who's, some, who's somebody who's... Mr. Playoff, you could say? The, the, stat, the stats are saying it. He's, he seems to be Johnny on the spot, and he's, he's scoring big goals in the playoffs for the Canadians after... Five Three goals. lackluster uh, regular seasons to start his career. Five goals this uh, season in a 56-game schedule, and now he has five goals in the playoffs in 15 games. I don't get it. It's... Johnny on the spot. Like, it's, that shit? it's that. It's, it's puck luck. He, he, he has the build of a player that should tr- thrive in the playoffs. He's, he's a big boy. He's 6'3". He reminds me of Anze Kopitar, size-wise. Yeah, he put on he put on a lot of weight last year. I think he's in the two hundred pound realm now. And it's what six three, six four. And now he's playing. He's playing. He's playing a physical brand of hockey. Six two, rather. Yeah, he's he's not scared to get in front of the net, and he's getting most of his uh, go- most of his playoff goals. Crashing being the, being that guy, Johnny on the spot, getting that greasy rebound or 
just being in uh, an opportune uh, places. So with this being said, we're gonna we're gonna unfold, we're gonna be talking about our other topics and we're gonna be watching again at the same time. So let's talk about Euro 2020 and we'll start off with Denmark. So far, what a roller coaster it's been for this nation. Mm -hmm. From game one to game three, match day three, which was yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, you saw Christian Eriksen uh, collapsed. Collapsed. Have a heart attack mid game. Mid game. It was at the. It was in the tenth or tenth minute of the first group stage game, I believe. So he he co collapsed uh, completely, uh, and they, they it, had, it was a very scary sight to see. Of course, they had the camera on him, and then after like they went back to the whole picture, the whole pitch. And then after there was a throw in, and literally you see once before the ball hits him or goes towards him, like to hit him in the chest or wherever, he's he's losing balance. His knees are collapsing, like knees are collapsing, and just falls down straight. Mm -hmm. And shout out to the ref who called the the paramedics right away to mm -hmm. come and, over. And shout medical out, team. Shout out to his teammate uh, Simon Kier, his the center, center center back captain for a Denmark team, plays for for AC Milan. Uh, performed CPR on him. It, he held, it, he it, held it, his it, tongue. It basically it gave him uh, it gave him extra time. Before, he, bought, he bought time. He bought time before the the medical team got there, and I think he made uh, sure that a lot of people are saying that 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 that, kept, saved, that, that saved his life. Well, exactly. like he saw him lying down, like not breathing and everything. He 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 tilted him over for it doesn't uh, swallow and his tongue and pretty much choke himself. And then after he did the pro, he went with the CPR and then after, and him and Schmeichel going to his girlfriend like or his wife I'm not too sure what the, their status is but Calm, calming her down calming her down putting her at ease and shout out to the whole national whole Denmark national team covering him for doctors could perform what they gotta do and everything mm -hmm. uh, while they they're proceeding with the CPR mm -hmm. but uh, full credits to uh, care uh, uh, Sh Schmeichel, uh, Schmeichel, the whole Danish team, and I like I like to take a job at UEFA here because I feel like I have to. I don't want to uh, downplay what what happened to Christian Eriksen, but of course, um, as that moment transpired, um, the well, the officials, the 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 staff present at the game working for UEFA. Uh, threat, threatened Denmark that if they didn't continue on play on that game after seeing the the horrific sight with Ericsson, that they would have uh, lost by forfeit the game three 0 So that's what we read up on Twitter and everything, and that's what we saw. But and some and it was one of the players that mentioned it, no, or who uh, leaked it out that it was one of the Denmark players that I just I can't remember who. But when what the official said to the media right away, like during like the pause and everything, they paused the game for a, quite a bit. They said that Christian Eriksen is now at the hospital and FaceTimed, the, the, ended up FaceTiming his teammates. his teammates and said to proceed with the game. How, f I, don't, I don't believe that one so bit that story. And what you're saying now with, with you don't this, You don't believe that he FaceTimed his teammates? Of course not. They, yeah. they, they got threatened to, uh, to lose the game by forfeit. So what did they do? They proceeded and they played the game and obviously they lost. And kudos to Finland not celebrating after scoring. Yeah, well, I think... How does that benefit the Denmark's the national team by lying about 
um, no. receiving them that uh, that video message from from their teammate. They, when the moment happened, the, the team went to the locker room, and it's not like they proceeded with the game right away. It it took uh, um, I saw a, two three hours, a couple of hours exactly for the game to to carry on. And so I guess everything happened so fast, and he was when he was in a, a better state at the hospital, he was able to. Call his call his teammates. I don't, so, I don't believe so. No, well, that's a special moment, and I don't think his uh, his teammates and the coaching staff are going to come out and, and lie about something like that. But and and at the same time, those same people don't deny that UEFA threatened them to uh, threaten them to that if they would uh, not be able to to play on at least for that during that day, uh, it would be a forfeit loss of uh, of three 0 so, so they, they, they continued to play that game. They obviously ended up losing their opening game. They lost both their opening games. Yeah, they lost. The, sec- the second game was against Belgium. Belgium, yeah. Belgium. And then the third game, which was actually yesterday. So yesterday we were June 21st. And what, what hell of a game by the, yeah. whole, club, by the whole nation. Uh, Christensen, the center back. They took the, they lifted this nation to from fourth to second. To second. So you have the seat. You have Belgium. A three, a three point team in second. So yeah, exactly. So you have first Belgium who, who clinched first place with nine points, three out of three wins. Then after you have second, third, and fourth, and all tied at three points. Mm-hmm. And what it, it it pretty much ended up by goal differential and by. Match day winnings and who beat who win exactly, mm-hmm. and Denmark clinched second, and I'm sure like they're motivated to go deep into this tournament. Yeah, and they did it uh, with their backs against the walls. They needed a lot of goals in that last game. Yeah, they were desperate for a win. Also, four one victory. Not just getting the win. They won like yeah exactly. They won four one, and it was it's a great moment for their nation after such a tragic story to open the tournament. This is some. This is a silver lining, a positive that they could, they could carry on, and now they're going to be in the round of sixteen. And uh, with that, with wrapping up that group, we want to go to the group of death, which is Group F. Uh, Portugal, France, Germany, and Hungary. So as the group stands right now, no, it's actually France, Germany. No, I wasn't. I oh. wasn't saying the order. I was just saying who's in the group. So as it stands right now. France are at four points. They they won one and they drew one to Hungary, which was a big draw. Yeah, that's that they that could be crucial. They dropped points to Hungary. A one one that was a one one game where they took the lead early with with a Griezmann goal in the eleventh minute, and Hungary ties it. No, it was actually the opposite. It was the opposite. It was right before it was it was right before the halftime. They took a lead and they were hold, they held the lead all game long, and Griezmann at the eightieth something minute, I think eighty second minute. He just banged it off with the flight. There was deflection, like a ricochet, and after Griezmann just ripped it to tie the game. Okay, I could, I could be wrong on that. And then after you had the Germany Portugal game, which was the afternoon, like for us, uh, like Eastern time was uh, afternoon game, three p.m. Uh, it, it was Germany that took the, the lead. No, Portugal took the lead at first with Ronaldo tapping yeah, it in. Yeah, that beautiful counter attack where Ronaldo looked like he was traveling at I don't know how fast, but it was. He was blistering fast, probably around the the thirty plus uh, miles an hour range. 
gets gets to the the near post area. Diogo Jota re receives a, a long ball on the on the left side coming in, and he plays it uh, he plays it cross cross post to Ronaldo off a lovely counterattack that was perfectly executed. And but they did lose that game with two own goals right in the mid thirty like like towards the end of the the first half like in the thirtieth minute yeah two quick own goals. And then after they lost the game, like you're about to say, four two, uh, four one, four two, four two. Yeah, they got one. They got one back at, uh, at the end of the game, with, um, I believe was it, was, it? it was Diogo Jota assisted by Ronaldo off of uh, off of a set set piece free kick, and but Germany, they after, after a pretty lackluster showing in the first game against France, they really responded in a big way, and, and they they finally put their mark into this tournament. They were playing uh, dominant. They were they're playing they're playing end to end. They're playing quickly. They were utilizing their fullbacks really well. They were they three were five two uh, yeah no, the, three the, three four three yeah three four three. They were playing ultra attacking. They had guys forward, so they were bringing it down the wings. They were sending a lot of crosses. They had five men five men in in the box, that created a lot of danger. And uh, they were extremely efficient. They they got two on goals, but it was at least one of the two you could say was inevitable, and and the other one you would say is a gaffe from uh, the Premier League uh, Player of the Year, Ruben Diaz. Yeah. And uh, with that being said, this this is a very tight group right now, as we see as we proceed to tomorrow. We have France four, Germany with three points, Portugal with three points, and Hungary with one point. Hungary, just say they steal a win versus Germany, Germany's out. Germany or Portugal are out, depending mm -hmm. how the outcome. That, it, it, I'm saying, mm -hmm. if somehow they score, they but, bang. But it's not necessarily out because Germany, as it stands, they have three points. So you're saying if they lose against Hungary, you're not, you're not saying, you're, are you yeah, saying tie or are you saying lose? If they, if they lose. Either Portugal or Germany are out. Yeah, it's it's well. Listen, it's gonna. You can't say it right away that they're gonna be out, but with three points, um, well, and especially and especially how the third points uh, third place team system works, it's gonna be tough for a team with three points to. Well, to somebody's gonna them. finish fourth. One of them has to finish fourth because yeah, well, Hungary wins. They got four points. And yeah, then and then after if. France wins, for example. Yeah, you're absolutely true. For some reason, I was convinced that. Uh, no, it's it, it, this is a scary. It, 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 this could go bad for Portugal and Germany, but high, like. But, but very let me, let me tell chance. you something. There is no chance in hell Germany is losing that game against Hungary. There was no chance of. I think France. I think I think there's a there's a bigger chance that Germany wins that game eight 0 than they lose a game against Hungary. I'm with you on that, but did you expect France to tie Hungary? No, but I also haven't been impressed with France all tournament. They they beat Germany. Yeah, they they played. They were a better team that first game, but they this this is a France team that's supposed to have that has all this firepower and all they mustered against Germany was an so own goal and and they got a goal late to tie up the game like like you're saying against Hungary. This can this can't be the France team that is supposed to run through this whole tournament. So and imagine we're talking about a five star. Club like this, like uh, the like these are the best teams. These are these are favorites. All, these three clubs are all favorites. 
shouldn't be shouldn't Spain be a favorite and sh and sh don't they have trouble going into tomorrow as well? Yeah, finish, but staying at third. I, I want fi to finish with this group. Um, it'll be cool if we could give our predictions for the 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 last the last two games in in this group of death. Okay, so, so well, obviously, like I told you, I think Germany is gonna absolutely smoke Hungary. So this would make Germany finish with six points, and I I have Portugal beating France. I think it's gonna be a close game, but let's say Portugal wins this one three two. I think they're gonna take an early lead. Probably be three one going into the second half, and and France gets one gets one later on. So to, you're saying to salvage their goal differential, and so I'm I'm saying Germany. it's it's gonna be Germany first with six points, Portugal second with six, France fourth, uh, third sorry with four points, and Hungary gonna finish with one, and they're gonna be officially out of the tournament. I I. I agree on the Germany Hungary where Germany is going to win and finish, but I think they're going to finish. They might, yeah. Germany's finishing first. France Portugal is going to be a one-one draw, which is going to make France drop to second and Portugal stay at third. And Hungary obviously being eliminated from the tournament. Mm -hmm. And so that would leave Portugal with four points and France obviously with five, and they'll be in the driver's seat for That's that. It. For the round of 16. And that's our predictions for Group F. So now Group E, which we quickly introduced. We have Sweden with four points. Slovakia with three. Spain with two. And Poland, fourth place with one. Spain played two games. They started off, they opened the tournament with Sweden. Drew that game. 0-0. And they had like 80-something ball possession. It was ridiculous. Then after second game they played versus Poland... 1-1 one, one draw. They got one early with uh, Marata. Uh, didn't didn't convert with a with a penalty later on. Yeah. Marata had it on uh, had it in his hands. Well, not in his hands. Obviously, figuratively, he he got the rebound off the penalty and he he skied it wide. And that was the difference in that game because Poland got one back and that ended up as a one one draw. So this is a big game going into tomorrow's game. So Sweden plays Poland. Poland's gonna try their best to try and get points, but obviously Spain and Slovakia, somebody's gonna win points, so it's gonna be tough for Poland to climb up the standings if they were to win and beat Sweden. But so if Slovakia draws level with Spain tomorrow, and they have a decent, they don't have the same caliber team, but if they play defensive or score one then play defensive and park the bus, and say they draw level, this means Spain's in trouble. Spain yeah. might Spain's gonna finish third, and they, they and can't afford to to go to go to faith uh, by drawing against Slovakia and, tomorrow. And if they do draw against Slovakia, they're gonna be in, they have to expect Poland to lose because if Poland wins, they overlap Spain. Yeah. So Spain has to win tomorrow. And they're desperate. And they are desperate. They're exactly like exactly what you said. They're desperate. Mm -hmm. And they they didn't call it was it twenty what was tournament? Was it twenty in the in the twenty-eighth uh twenty sixteen Euro. In the twenty sixteen Euro, they they got out of their group, but they lost quickly in the round of sixteen against Italy. Yeah. And then twenty eighteen, uh what was it? The twenty eighteen They uh, lost the rush, they lost the rush around the sixteen shootout. Exactly. So Further standards, those are early exits. 
and this could be an earlier exit. An earlier exit, and it just it would just push down, accentuate the downwards trajectory that their national team has been has been going on. Obviously, they're in a transitional period. A lot of former faces that won a championships for them back at uh, the World Cup in, in 2010, at the Euro in 2012. A lot of those faces, like guys like Iniesta, Xabi Alonso, are, Puyol. No, Puyol, guys Ramos. like that. Ramos, Ramos, infamously not getting called up this year and not with the Cup. They're going for more of a youth movement this time around with an experienced Jordi Alba as, uh, as the skipper for them. Uh, sorry, not, not as the skipper, as the captain. And... Right now, their their backs are against the wall, and it's going to be a true test to this this team's character because they don't have those those guys those guys like Sergio Ramos who are gonna you know get everybody fired up and, and let everybody know what this this game means for the nation. So let's see if this young this young Spanish group with a new manager too could uh, get the job done tomorrow. So my prediction is both games end up as a draw. Spain finishes third, Sweden first, uh, Slovakia second. Uh, sorry, I mixed that up. So Sweden first, Slovakia second, third Spain, fourth Poland. Both games are draws. I'm gonna say Poland wins one nil against Sweden tomorrow. So they overlap everybody for the moment until mm -hmm. the results will choose save for Spain. Well, we have to look at the goal differential with Sweden and Poland right now. They'll be on top of it. No matter what, since they beat Sweden, they'll finish over them. Are you, you yeah, sure? Yeah, a thousand percent sure. I, I thought the first first tiebreaker was the goal differential. No, it's uh, who beats who if it's a head-to-head -head game. Mm -hmm. So if it's uh, so then it would end up Poland being... But I think... Um, I think I think Spain is going to tie again. So you're, So you're saying right now... With that result, with those results, Poland goes first, Sweden finishes second, third Slo third Slovakia. Actually, you know what? It's gonna be a four-four. I don't know how it's gonna play out because of the goal differential, and it's gonna finish four-four-four, and then Spain automatically out with three points. Mm -hmm. That's heavy. Well, not necessarily out, but they're going to be put in a tough spot because if you look at the the groups that are already wrapped up, a lot of those third place teams are at the four point range. Well, I'm talking about Spain finishing fourth because they'll have three points. They'll have drawn three three out of three out of games, and all the other clubs would all the other nations have four points mm -hmm. because Slovakia right now is uh, three. is tied with them and 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 they have the the goal differential on them. Yeah. That would uh, that that would be something. That's for Spain. That's get... gonna be the first. Uh, it's gonna be like the first upset of the the entire tournament. I know the it's first upset of the entire tournament, and I don't uh, I don't want to be a homer here, but if you go like at Euro Four, for example, in a Group A with Portugal being the host, Greece in that group, Spain and Russia. Spain had a great team. Like it was a, there, it was a young round. It was a run, young Puyol, young Casillas, young Xavi, young Iniesta, all in that club and all in that nation. And yet again, botched it a lot. Like they had three points or four points, and 
we were tired of them, but Greece somehow overlapped them because there was a draw between us, but we had more goal differential. But I think that's the big, it's the biggest upset since then. Not proceeding in group stage, no, actually. In, in, in the 12, World Cup, there was a World Cup in 2014. In 2014, 2014, they didn't get in out Brazil. of the group. Exactly. Yeah. It was 6-6-0-0. Yeah, you're right. Chile beat them, and the Netherlands by Percy, that header. It was a 5-1 game, I believe, that game. Crazy. Yeah, and that was the that was on the f- the final match day too. They they got out of that tournament in heartbreaking fashion, and it well, could, and it could happen. Uh, well, the last game of that tournament for them was that uh, was a three nothing victory. I know David Villa was on the, uh, playing for Nando Torres as well. It was the last time that, like these guys played like the core players from that two thousand eight to twenty four uh, twenty twelve run, which they won two Euros and one World Cup. So off from the pitch to the court side. Talk Brooklyn, some, we're talking about some NBA. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, game seven. Giannis went off. KD went off. Zach, I want you to talk about it. So game seven. Milwaukee against the Nets. So this is a Brooklyn Nets team that went all in this year. As you know, two off seasons ago, they acquired Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving, um, kind of in a package deal, but they were individual signings because both players um, were drawing interest and wanted to leave their, their teams at the, at the time. And, and they thought, you know what, let's, let's create our own super team and let's go, let's go revive a franchise and we'll go to a franchise together. So they chose Brooklyn. Brooklyn obviously marketed themselves very well to, to star players. And, and prior to signing these two stars, for the past five years, that team was a complete mess, and it just goes to show that in the in the NBA, but if you if you could uh, attract star talent, you could turn around a franchise like this. Well, the yeah. snap of your finger. Because look, they I'll, I'll draw the comparison to the Celtics. The Celtics have been doing everything the right way for the past couple of years. Great young mind of a head coach, Brad Stevens. They draft extremely well. They've been they've been building the organization the right way, and you see. The Nets doing the complete opposite, but okay. But we could, we're we're Brooklyn, we're we're in New York. We can market ourselves to all these these mega stars, and if we could attract one or two of them, we could turn this this whole thing around. So that's that's something that happens in the NBA that doesn't happen in major in other major sports leagues. So exactly, like if you take twenty nineteen Raptors, and they had a they had a decent core, you know what I mean, but. They, they said, you know what, that one player, we want to switch the Rosen for, for Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi had one year left on his contract, didn't know what his future was in uh, uh, LA, and after came here, and next thing you know, uh, no, San, 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 Antonio. San Antonio. Sorry, now, the Spurs. He's, now he's in LA. Well, he fell out of favor out there, he fell out of favor with the coach Greg Popovich, but um, he didn't seem... He didn't have the fire in him to, to well, perform Well, that slight touch, that slight touch, that slight trade, ended up winning a championship for them. And it, like you said, it's it could start one player, it's two players, or sometimes three players if you're lucky. Okay, so to what do you do? Assem- to, assem- yeah. to assemble to your club. Uh, like, for example, uh, so LeBron James going to LA. Year one, it didn't happen, but yet again, after that, that free agents. What happened? He, he, he got it. He got his, He got his co-star. They traded. They traded away the house. A lot of young, good young players for Anthony, Ant, Davis. For Anthony Davis. 
So it's it's that one or two it's players. A, so what, what both of us are getting at, this is a star-driven league. 100%. You could change the franchise overnight. Yeah, and, and, and you can't win in this league unless you have a top 10 player. The only, the only, exactly. And the only thing, the only team, I believe that if you look at the the way the NHL is built or the MLB where it's in-house product that's changed, like who, in, compared to the NBA, mm-hmm. who is uh, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And Milwaukee NBA- had Yanis and it was a 13th overall, 12 or 13th overall pick and didn't expect to be a superstar where he's MVP like. And then after, slowly, slowly brought attention and brought more people inside that club. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody who was um, desired by most teams in, in bigger markets. A lot of people were saying he could go to, uh, he's going to go to Golden State. He's going to go for one of, to one of the LA teams. And even Toronto was uh, linked to him. Yeah, they were briefly. I don't know if I, I buy that, but Masai Ujiri has a history of pulling off moves like that. But ju- just goes to, to say he's he's one of those guys that decided to stay with the franchise that nurtured him, that drafted him, where he built his his career up. And so this this brings us back. So we're kind of going full, full circle back to our topic, which was that game seven between Brooklyn and Milwaukee, where Giannis had his big moment in game seven. He scored forty two. Um, he got close to a triple double. He played fantastic in in that game. As did Kevin Durant on the other side. I know everybody, if you if you have Twitter, you have any social network, everybody looks at that shot that brought the game to OT with a couple of seconds left on the clock. Contested three-point fadeaway shot from KD. Goes in. Game goes to overtime. The, the Nets are not able to capitalize on their momentum early on. And later, Middleton hits a... A couple of big shots and and Milwaukee ends up winning that game and this is this is a big moment for for that for that club this is the club that Giannis put his his whole f- faith into he signed the max contract with them a year yeah, ago yeah and they're going into the Eastern Conference Finals and and everybody thought they were done yeah they, 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 they were no bound to nothing be, before you get into that because in 2019 they were in the conference finals but they were victims to who? The claw. Exactly. Kawhi Leonard. You couldn't stop. You couldn't stop him. That you're not even Golden State could have stopped him in the. Were able to stop him. Yeah, in the finals. but Golden State had a few injuries. Like we well, they, they we lost. All, they lost. They lost KD game one. But they. That's a team that's proven that even without KD, they could they could win championships. So you can't uh, you can't uh, knock on on Toronto for that. Quick pause on uh, the NBA. We're watching the game now, and Eric Stahl just scored, just made it two nothing for the Habs, uh, with tw- uh, almost under thirteen minutes left to play in the second period. In the second period, and this looks exciting. So back to let's resume talks about the NBA. Yeah, so Milwaukee are going to be facing now the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Championship. Another great, sto- uh, great story of a team, and on the on the west side of things. We've got the Phoenix Suns against the Clippers. And currently, uh, as we speak, this the game two of that series has gone to halftime with the slight, uh, the slight edge going to uh, the Suns right now, 48 to 47. But with the Suns actually taking uh, game one, with no Kawhi Leonard, 
for the Clippers, but found a way to win the previous series against Utah and where Paul George stepped up. Do you think he could he could have the same impact in this series against uh, the Phoenix Suns? This is a deep squad. This is this is a deep squad, uh, and do I think do I think this club could take it? I think this this series will maybe go into six, and I think the Clippers are gonna win it in six. That that's that's a bold prediction, but I don't I don't think I agree with you. I think the the Suns are a team of destiny, in many ways. You got. Uh, you got Chris Paul, who has everywhere he's gone, he's had at least um, a winning percentage of of over sixty percent. So but, he he brings a winning culture with him. But the knock on him, but has he's, he never, he's, he's never won, never won he's never deep. been this far in the playoffs, and he's never won that coveted championship. Ibaka's done it, but he's but he's gonna do it. He's I'm telling you, the Suns. I don't know, man. The Suns are the I team to know. beat now. You got Kevin Booker, who I don't know if it's because he's he's seeing uh, one of the Kardashians right now, and he's got his confidence at level a thousand. Hey, you're hitting on that. You're hitting on that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's 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 dropping forty points like it's nothing, and he's shooting like fifty percent. This he's he's a this guy's a pure scorer, and he does it under the spotlight. Well. I hope they, look, if you say so, like, if they take a 2 nothing command and 2 nothing lead, don't say the series is over. Look what just happened to Brooklyn and Milwaukee. 2 yeah. nothing lead and end up game 7, tying the game, going to overtime, and Milwaukee taking mm-hmm. it. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be game 6, and I think Clip, my, my money's with the Clippers. I don't know. I, I know Paul George is... Uh, he turns up in, in big moments uh, in in the playoffs, but I don't I don't see it, uh, especially when you have a three headed monster on the other side like uh, DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul and uh, and Devin Booker and the way the way they've been playing. So, with those three topics wrapped up, we're gonna wrap up uh, the episode. This is a pleasure, guys, and uh, hopefully next episode we'll. Uh definitely uh try and have a guest here and finish up maybe this series yeah we so we have a couple of of guests in mind and and uh we'll be bringing back mr antonio taroni of course in the near future as the the nfl season is going to approach because we have a lot training of started training camp has started the um, otas are over now we're in the official the official training camp period so as the season approaches, we're going to be talking a lot more about the NFL. I know we haven't covered it yet, but it's um, a sport we love uh, yeah. talking about. And we're going to continuously talk about the Euro until the, um, the trophy is lifted in, in July, I believe. Yeah. And Habs, well, we're from Montreal and, and it's, ex- it's exciting around the city right now to see what the Habs are doing. So hopefully they could keep it going. And, and if they keep it going, we'll keep talking about them. So follow us on Instagram. The, the tag is underscore from the bleachers, underscore all in lowercase. Thanks for listening. This is Zach. This is Greg. Cheers, guys. Cheers.